I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. to sing one more little bit sad song, a little bit happy both. The Kovitz is Shabbos. Give me how many, friend, give me how many, hold on to last note. Can you imagine? Can you visualize? Can you think about? About 2,400 years ago, somewhere on a street corner in the holy city, Yerushalayim. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was on Matzohe Shabbos. Came down somewhere, somewhere from the Harabayim. 
You know, sweetest friends, let me tell you, according to our tradition, everybody knows that they have Torah, the portion of the prophet we read after a certain portion of the Torah. That means that the prophet prophesied this on that Motsoi Shabbos of the portion of that we hear. Without getting involved in the depths of it right now. The Shabbos was Hanan 2,400 to 500 years ago. Yushaya Novi listened to the Pasha was Hanan. And he came down to the streets and he prophesied and he said, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar. Friends, 
says, Nachem und Nachem, Ami, console my people. Don't ever stop consoling them. And then it says, Dabru alev Yerushalayim, speak into the heart of Yerushalayim, and call unto her. You know, sweetest friends, sometimes a person is so desperate for consolation. Sometimes a person is so desperate for one good word that when you want to give it to them, they run away. Can you imagine Mashiach would walk in right now? Most of us would just run through the window. Couldn't believe it. I want it so much, I can't believe it. Can't believe it. So he says, Tabu, Alev Yerushalayim. When she runs away, don't stop. Run after her. Keep on crying loud. It's true, it's true. Yeah, I know it's so true. Sometimes you want to talk to your children, they're crying. They run away because they're waiting for Mashiach so desperately. Give me how many one more time. Oh, if 
in the a.m. Shlomo Kalbach on an Erev Shabbos that's going to be uh, dedicated in many places around the world to the um, tunes of Shlomo Kalbach. His yard site is this coming Thursday, the uh, 16th of Maracheshvan, and uh, many people are going to be holding uh, Kalbach Friday night services tonight and having his music dominate 
this upcoming Shabbos. It's Friday morning, November the 8th, the 10th day in the month of Mar Cheshvan. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to JM in the AM. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Lech Lecha with candle lighting in New York at 424. Monday is Veterans Day. We are here. We leave for Pittsburgh on Tuesday, and Wednesday is our uh, Pittsburgh One Year Later show. I hope everybody will be tuned in for what I believe will be a uh, very important and inspiring radio broadcast. 35 degrees outside. Yes, I said 35 with 59% humidity. Winds are northwest, 7 miles per hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 43. Then tonight, clear and a low of 30. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 45 degrees. You shall lie right now at 77. We're at 35 here in New York. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. Yeah, quite a difference in temperature between Jerusalem and New York City. Malcolm Holmline, just over an hour from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do the weekly update coming up. Uh, that'll happen about 7.40 Eastern time this morning. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Let us know where you are, what you want to hear, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I want to thank those who have uh, been supporting us during our 2019 campaign. Uh, anybody who'd like to sponsor part or all of a JM and the AM broadcast in memory of somebody for someone's yard site, in honor of somebody, wherever the case may be, go to fjbunity.org and click on Sponsorship Opportunities. That's fjbunity.org. Again, click on Sponsorship Opportunities. Looking forward to being in Teaneck, New Jersey tomorrow night, Congregation Keter Torah. That is the uh, big Azer Mitzion event and the fireside chat with Brett Stevens. I anticipate seeing a lot of wonderful listeners and great people come out to support Azer Mitzion tomorrow night. Remember, it's a free event. I mean, obviously, they're like, they'd love for you to support the cause, and I think you'll be inclined to once you uh, see and hear what they do. Uh, but it's a, an officially a free event tomorrow night. Yeah, Congregation Keter Torah, 7.30 p.m. in Teaneck, New Jersey. More coming up. You're listening to a JM in the AM Friday. This is Micha Gammerman. Robin, 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 my ring, me, I rain a toy, me, I rain a toy, toy, me, I rain a toy. That's what I do, baby. That's why I'm back on me. Robin, Robin, my ring, me, I rain a toy, me, I rain a toy, toy, me, I rain a toy. Everybody's talking doom and gloom in my face, yeah, they're like, we'll need a miracle to make things okay. Everybody's looking for a small little light, and I'm like, not being cynical, but Why don't you try to focus on everything good in this world? And you might just be invisible. 
Elohim Aleichem Im Alachei Ashorech Im Alachei David Dax with that Shabbos medley. L'cha'etain. Request from our app and perfect words for this week's Parsha of Lech Lecha. That's, of course, Dedi. 
Yankee Lemmert is Miros Medley. Shlomo Kalbach is yard side this coming Thursday. You heard Lamana Achai, Kimi Tzion, and Kihem Chayenu. And it's a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Lechocha here at JMNAM. Candle lighting a lot earlier than you ever thought, no matter where you are around the world. 424 in New York. 424, keep that in mind. Monday is Veterans Day. We are here. Looking forward to seeing everybody tomorrow night in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey at the um, Azer Mitzion event starting at 7.30, Congregation Keter Torah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Let's see if we can get, actually get our news from Israel on today, I hope. Let's hope we have uh, we've had problems the last couple of days. Right now we've got Galitzal in the background, and hopefully things will work out. Thirty-five degrees. I know thirty-five. It's cold, sunny in uh, New York with a high temperature of forty-three tonight. Clear, low thirty tomorrow. Partly cloudy. A high temperature forty-five degrees. Right now we've got uh, what are we at now? Seventy-seven in Yerushalayim. Thirty-five here in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Galaitzal in the background. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from Jam in the AM. Galaitzal, Asha Steim, Kan Achino Amber, Imashakore Achshav. Hashad Litunat Pagau Varach Bezora Krayot. Netzar Nehagamasait, Hashud Kidaras Lamavet, Gever Ben Arbaim, Haboker, Bevicious Rimustein. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי ההרוג הוא נהג מונית שעצר בצד הדרך כדי לתקן תקלה ברכבו כשמסעית חולפת ובה יחשוד בין השמונים פגעה בו. צוות מדה שהגיע למקום ביצע בו פעולות החייאה שבסופה נאלץ לקבוע את מותו. המשטרה פתחה בחקירת האירוע, החשוד בדריסה עוקב לחקירה. המשנה ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה דינה זילבר בביקורת חריפה בעקבות החלטת ראש עיריית מעלות תרשיחה לבטל את הקרנת הסרט לעצם אל עורך הדין בפסטיבל דוק אביב. במכתב ששגרה לראש העירייה ארכדי פומרנץ כתבה זילבר מהלך ביטול הקרנת הסרט לא חוקי ואין לו עילה. עוד הוסיפה מסר שלטוני לפיו תרבות צריכה להתאים לטעם השלטון פוגע בשורש חופש הביטוי. ככה המשנה ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה. בתוך כך הפורום הדוקומנטרי הודיע כי יקרין מחר בערב את הסרט במעלות תרשיחה, באזור ציבורי מול אולם היכל התרבות בעיר. ידיעה שריכז כתבנו לענייני משפט, יובל הראל. פועל בן 41 נפצע כתוצאה מנפילה באתר בנייה בתל אביב. כתבתנו ליה ספילקין מוסרת כי הוא פונה במצב בינוני לבית החולים איכילוב עם חבלות בראש. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, היום ומחר יוסיף להיות חם ויבש מהרגיל לעונה, רוחות תנשבנה בערי הצפון והמרכז. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת לך לך. בירושלים בארבע ותשע דקות, בתל אביב בארבע עשרים ושלוש, בחיפה בארבע ושלוש עשרה, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ושבע דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים ובחיפה בחמש עשרים ושתיים, בתל אביב בחמש עשרים ושלוש, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש עשרים וחמש. לכל מאזיננו שתהיה שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שעורכת אילנה בנימין.
Thank you. 
מארצך וממולדתך, כי את כל הארץ אשר אתה רואה, לך אתננה, ולזרעך עד עולם.
JM in the AM. Waterbury Yeshiva with Ani Mamin. JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 424 in New York. Ani Mamin before that from Leviathan, Yonatan Scheinfeld in there with Lech Lecha, perfect for this week. I don't alum done by Sandy Shmueli. Um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us with the weekly update coming up at about 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up and plenty more here at JM in the AM. We head to Pittsburgh on uh, Tuesday. We'll broadcast Wednesday morning from the JCC in Pittsburgh, and they have been unbelievably cooperative. Big thank you to Nina Butler. Big thank you to Simon Jacob. Big thank you to the Jewish Unity Initiative as we go and visit Pittsburgh one year later, and I think you'll hear a very, very inspiring program this coming Wednesday from Pennsylvania. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to tomorrow night with Azer Mitzion. We'll be there at the uh, Congregation Keter Torah in Teaneck, New Jersey, beginning at 7.30. It'll include the fireside chat with Brett Stevens. It's a free event. And yes, you will be inspired to support Azer Mitzion by the end of the night. That I can promise you. They, they put together such great, great evenings. Eveningofheroes.com. Eveningofheroes.com for uh, information. Well, Shlomo Kalbach's yard site is this coming uh, Thursday. There'll be a lot of the big Kalbach concert is at the Westside Institutional Synagogue tomorrow night in Manhattan. Uh, Yehuda Green, Shirley Williger, Eitan Katz. Uh, there'll be a lot of Kalbach davening tonight. A lot of uh, Kalbach Kabbalat Shabbat tonight. And um, I hope that his music, after 25 years since his passing, will continue to inspire. Here he is with one of the great Shabbos Zmiros at JM in the AM.
Come with me across the river, far across the great divide. Come with me across the river to the other side. Come with me across the river, far across the great divide. Come with me across the river to the other side. Pack up your things and go to a land that I will show you for no other reason than to join me on this journey.
J.M. and the A.M. Uh, celebrating Shabbos Lech Lecha here on a, an Erev Shabbos Lech Lecha with some great Lech Lecha selections, I must say. Uh, that one is called uh, Across the River, done by Gershon Varoba and Sam Glazer. <coughs> Excuse me, that's a good one. Uh, before that, you heard the Lech uh, done by Safam. That great classic. Rav Ravin with Shlomo Kalbach. His yard site comes up on Thursdays, 25th yard site. I'm sure we'll have a um, good dose of his music that day. We leave for Pittsburgh on Tuesday, Jewish Unity Initiative, with a big thank you to uh, Simon Jacob and a big thank you, by the way, to uh, Nina Butler, who, of course, has been so helpful to us. Um, out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We returned to Pittsburgh one year later, broadcasting from the JCC. And the uh, what's known as the 1027 Resiliency Center, uh, commemorating the uh, date and episode of uh, the greatest massacre of Jews in the history of the United States, and that, of course, being the Tree of Life, um, a terrorist activity, terrorist act last, uh, last October. The yard site of the victims is next Shabbos, so we'll be there Wednesday. Couldn't get there closer to the yard site, but we'll be there Wednesday with a three-hour JM in the AM, and I certainly hope you'll tune in. It's uh, no doubt going to be inspiring and very informative in terms of how a community has rebounded in many different ways uh, from what happened last year. So that's all coming up Wednesday right here at JM in the AM. Quarter before 8 o'clock, big thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you're looking for a place where you can print out uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of articles before Shabbos to enjoy and to uh, learn from uh, regarding Israel and the Jewish world, to check out jewishworldreview.com, and um, you'll find plenty right there. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us. Fridays at this time for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Uh, thank you. It's good to be with you, as always. I appreciate that. It's funny how even active, large communities that pay attention and that understand the importance, both historically and today, to vote, it's funny how how they, and in turn we, still have not gotten the importance of the smaller local elections and while we as a community i think are viewed as a as one that uh, that comes out especially when it's a high profile election it's funny that so often it's the smaller or more local ones that could have a really big effect on our community isn't it interesting how we've never really adjusted to that well, I think it's it's true universally. It's not just our community, but we have a lot at stake, and the the tendency is to follow the general populace and not voting on these elections, right. when in fact, as you said, they become very important. And also, people don't think about the fact that you know they they tend to dismiss the significance, perhaps, of an, of a local election, but that can be a stepping stone to Congress, to statewide election office, to to many other things, and we're they can have a direct impact on the quality of life. And we see the changes that are taking place in New York and other cities across the country that impact uh, our communities directly. I also find it funny when uh, there's a place on the ballot where it says choose three and there's three candidates. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, where a lot of the work uh, that has been done to get these people on the ballot and to obviously get them the position 
often judgeships, is done way before Election Day. That's all done you know, in a process that people could get involved with, but they've got to care enough to get involved. It, it, it's true, but maybe they count on the fact that most voters can't count to three and don't <laughs> realize that there's no choice there. That could be. Speaking of elections, what a segue, Mr. Holmline. Speaking of elections, we go 6,000 miles away where Yaakov Katz has an interesting article with the Jerusalem Post today and says that it is possible that the only man, uh, the only political figure who could save us from a third election would be Naftali Bennett. Now, honestly, I read the article and I still don't get the math. I still don't understand how Gantz with Bennett could pull this off. What do you think? Is this a possibility? Everything is a possibility right now. Bennett has actually taken center stage in the last few days by offering uh, to go into the opposition to to allowing uh, Netanyahu to beg off of all of the commitments he made uh, to him. Whether and yet we saw statements even after that saying that they would give uh, two ministries to to the right. I think he he you know he faded from the. The press, and after a very poor showing that he and Shaked had in the election, but right now he's playing a central role, and he is. Uh, if it's a deliberate ploy, it's being executed amazingly. If not, I'm not quite sure of the numbers either. And yeah, I didn't, by the way, I never even saw a number in that article that started with a six. I didn't see anything over sixty. So I, I really don't understand how it's working politically. Um, but the uh, and is there any other possibility? In other words, right now, is it true that that he is the last resort or the last hope before a third election is declared? Well, I think right now the prospects are not great for what will what is going to happen. But and avoiding a third election, which is uh, something the people of Israel do not want. They don't want to go through another three month period of campaigning and of. Um, you know the uncertainty that comes with not having a, a government, but uh, so that but there may not be a choice if if they can't reach an, any kind of an agreement. But I think in the last week, you may see uh, maneuverings that will enable them to come to some sort of an arrangement. We don't know how long it'll last. The average government lasts about two and a half years. Right. Um, but the, I think the pressure will be on, and, and especially on Lieberman, because I think the wrath of the voters will be directed specifically at him. Uh, it could be it will be at everybody else, too. And, and the big danger is, of course, that people don't show up for a third election within a year uh, or vote for a protest vote. Which could distort the outcome. Also, is there is there's nobody vacuuming where you are? Is there? No. We're, we're getting this really loud background noise. I'm not quite sure where what it is. Um, is the um, and is he any more likely now to uh, arrange for a deal and to give in? Meaning Lieberman, like is Bennett pressuring because of the you know the, the rumors swirling and Bennett's name being everywhere? Is there more pressure on Lieberman to come forward and try to make a deal? I think there's more pressure from. Uh, the voters, and then than any other source, and you know, I, it's very hard to to decipher any time what Lieberman's ultimate objective is. I mean, clearly he wants to be minister of defense again, but uh, you know, he talks about being in the opposition. He talks about not negotiating and his war with the Haredim, right. even though there are talk, uh, people who have said their talks are ongoing. So again, it's it's still 
in the stage of maneuvering because you have two weeks. But I think right after Thanksgiving is the time to start looking to see if a deal is emerging. Because it's just the, the whole thing doesn't make sense if they're really committed in some way, meaning Gantz and Netanyahu, to make some type of deal. I mean, it would be to their benefit to start acting that way. It would be to their benefit to start you know, giving this message to the Israeli people that we're really heading in that direction. But and, they don't control it. That's the problem when you have all the small parties and others and Lapid clearly saying, even publicly, that he's playing the bad cop. Um, so it's not it's 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 exactly what they would like to be able to control the situation and make a deal and they offer ministries and Netanyahu offered many uh, to people to in his last government in this government and I mean it could be the biggest government yet uh, he right now controls many ministries I, th- I think he has four or five uh, ministries that are are hit that he is. Uh, Billing right now. He just took over the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. And, um, and, and you know, the the number of, of ministers and all of that will be contingent on the negotiations and the promises that they make. So it's not just a numbers game if Gantz and Netanyahu would say publicly they're ready to cooperate. You would, you would need all these individuals to cooperate to make the right deal or to make a deal that everybody would agree and to. to get the ministries they want to right, walk exactly. off in the huff or it's interesting it's a new so many that, things that's a new happen. level of negotiation that i as a regular person out here never really thought of it's not just a numbers game and trying to form a coalition with two people or two leaders you have to deal with all these you know s- small deals that are part of the big deal exactly and you and and it's stuff that goes on you know sort of in smoke-filled rooms um the Israeli press does report on it, but we generally don't follow the day-to-day machinations. But um, uh, I, I know that he said uh, late last night that um, the uh, examinations of uh, that is uh, uh, Gantz that looking at the at government alternatives in it has failed that they could not reach any kind of an agreement yet. Well, at least we know that uh, we don't have to we don't have to anticipate the creation of new minister positions because there's so many that Netanyahu is holding himself there's enough to go around right now. Or 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 do we need to create more minister <laughs> yeah. positions? No, they they to to put together a government they're going to have to you know, sometimes they consolidate ministries and sometimes to satisfy a minister they have to give him multiple assignments. Uh, when you need the uh, seats, so then they divide them up. So it's unpredictable at this stage exactly what kind of government would be. Uh, the miracle is that Israel functions well, that the economy is very strong, that uh, they continue, the prime minister continues to run the show, and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the security situation is the dominant situation. This is not manufactured about Iran. People have said to me, well, is this a ploy, you know, to get a government going to do this? The answer is no. This is real. And I think no government of Israel would responsibly utilize this issue uh, in, in a way that would be um, proven ultimately uh, false and then undermine people's uh, concern. And this is a real issue. Iran's capacity in the region continues to grow, that they expand their network in the in the area, even though they have uh, less money and uh, have, been, have had setbacks with the demonstrations that are going on, which are directed primarily at Iran, both in Iraq and in Lebanon. Uh, and the deal that was reached now in, in Yemen could be a, 
a turning point if it's if it's built on properly. But at the same time, Iran continues to expand its capacity to to conduct war in in across the region and using uh, the third parties. They were very clever in using this period of the last few years to build up this network of uh, whether it's Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, etc., uh, the the militias in in Syria, Iraq, Lebanon that um, can can you know set the whole region uh, ablaze right but let's go back for a second what did the IAEA say this week that got a reaction from both Netanyahu and Pompeo so the their topic uh, inspector Aparo told people in a in a closed meeting in Vienna on Wednesday that the that Iran is uh, evading the attempts for them to discover the source of uranium particles that it, Netanyahu warned about many months ago already, but that they found uranium particles, both, both natural and man-made, uh, at a warehouse in Tehran. And this was the site that Israel identified, and the, uh, this, these findings could open a, a new door and a, a new area of confrontation with Iran. And the IA has satellite photos showing this site uh, um, cleared out after the prime minister presented the documents right. that were smuggled out. So the the latest IEA report is it, very hard for the Europeans to to ignore it when they're saying that the you know they they want to continue the JCPOA, they want to uh, renew, and yet here you see this blatant violation. It's not. It's not something that can be um, uh, covered up. They're spending, you know, uh, I think $16 billion on on all the militias that they built up. They are uh, devoting uh, clearly the the announcements and the challenge to the West uh, that they're going to renew at Fordo, completing and injecting uranium into over 1,000, I think it was 1,044 uh, IR6 centrifuges. I know people don't know. These are very advanced. It will mean that they can speed up the production maybe 30, 40 times faster. Uh, and it's not just putting in one or two. You're talking about a cascade of, of more than a thousand. And they, they go and publicly announce it. And this is the fourth stage of their backing off of the the agreement, the JCPOA. If you remember, they said they are indeed that they started research and development, that mm-hmm. they went above 3.67% in enriched uranium uh, towards the goal of, of getting to weapons grade. I mean, they, they publicly proclaim it, and the Europeans continue to find excuses and saying they want the agreement. They're going to find themselves with Iran with a nuclear weapon, in and all of a sudden turn around and say, well, how did this happen? We didn't know this was going on when they know full well now for a long time that Iran is cheating, Iran is lying, and they and how do we know? Because they're telling us it, and they're challenging the West uh, about it. There is a, um, when, when it comes now to the uh, IAEA, so there is an, an intimidation factor here where I, Iran will not allow the inspectors in or will not allow the inspectors to specific places. Are there any inspections going on? There are some inspections, but they do not let them into they did not let them into this facility. In fact, they arrested one of the IEA inspectors and held her at the airport did release her, but uh, it's clearly a, a message of intimidation and and threatening um the uh, other people who come, the inspectors who are coming there to who come periodically, and you know they can clean up a site, they can 
uh, activate uh, their, their troops to go in, and, and, and then they block. And we don't know how many places that, that have not been discovered. This was found because of Israel and because of the documents Israel got out. Right. But there may be many others that we don't know. We did not see where the snapback sanctions that were supposed to respond to, to escalation on the part of Iran of the nuclear program. And the, the, it's imperative that the U.S. and Europe stand together, show the Iranians that they're not going to have a way out of this without full compliance, demanding the IAEA, which came out pretty strongly uh, about the Iranian um, violations and, and what is happening on the ground there. Uh, and also, it's worth repeat, uh, worth reviewing, even though we've discussed this before. When, when the president of the United States, you know, killed the Iran deal. Let's use that expression. So, what essentially what uh, took the place of uh, you know action against Iran? Essentially, the sanctions were were uh, increased. Correct. The sanctions mm-hmm. were either reinstated or increased. Is that the issue that now the Europeans are going through? It sounds sort of like. There's no more Iranian deal with the U.S. because of the Trump action, but but the deal is still in place when it comes to the EU. Is it's it, and that's yes. and, and that's sort of like a really strange way to make a deal where you know some of the partners are in, and some of the partners are out. But is that essentially what's going on right now? And and the EU is still hemming and hawing which direction to go in. They're still working towards compliance, even though they're these massive violations. But the French yesterday urged Iran to to adhere to the deal. The Russians said that they should live up to it, but understand why they may not, meaning because of the United States provocations or something, that the the Europeans are still throwing out a lifeline, which has proven to be meaningless. They're offering the alternative to the sanctions, which have limited their ability to use the uh, banking system, Western banking system, and they would create an index to, to replace it, and there hasn't been a single deal. We know that the funding and the financial backing for deals is not there for European companies, and most are pulling out still of, of Iran. And, and all of that is irrelevant to Washington, correct? Well, it's relevant to Washington because if you're offering alternatives, and the United States also gave waivers again to Russia, China, other countries to be to be able to work with uh, Iranians on their on their civilian program, and they're saying, well, the justification is that this gives us eyes on the ground. We're able to see what they're doing. You know, otherwise we wouldn't. We might not know. We didn't know that uh, Ford O and 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 the heavy water reactor at Iraq are being reactivated when as part of the deal we were told that these places were inactivated and were or were changed so dramatically and now you see that they can just flip them around and use them for the installation of these more advanced centrifuges and and, and um, the enrichment process remember that next year the arms embargo gets lifted in 2020 that's it's not the full thing, but this is the UN sanctions that limited it, and Russia, China, others will be there to sell them new weapons and to continue to supply them with weapons, and the uh, so the West has to come up with strategies that will deal with this situation immediately. They have failed till now to effectively um, do it, and they allowing the Iranians not to cooperate, not to be held to account has sent the wrong messages in the region, and they're all scamp. The others are scampering around. Uh, UAE has warmed up some of its relations with Iran. I know that Iran sent messages through Kuwait to Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Uh, I don't see a change on the part of Saudi Arabia right now, 
But, you know, if they lose confidence in the West, then they're going to say we're going to have to fend for ourselves and see what deals we have to make. I mean, basically, you, you, you've told us that Iran is going to be, you know, in a position, their strongest position, let's call it, uh, militarily or in terms of, you know, strength of, uh, of power uh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow already. I mean, we're, we're basically there for those who those who are waiting, you know, because this would take years or, you know, we'd get there down the road if we wouldn't uh, monitor Iran properly. We're basically there already at this point. And the hope is, though, that the demonstrations in Iraq, if you look at what what the people are demonstrating against, it's largely against Iran and its and its proxies in, in Lebanon, as well, and and there are, uh, and and it's Shiite populations. And remember that Iran is a Shiite country that are the ones who are demonstrating, and the uh, you know not the Sunni population and, and others who are standing on the side the Kurds. They're all watching this to see what what will become of it. And when Bani Sadr in um, in Iraq and, and call, to, calls out the Iranians and and urges people to demonstrate against them. These are are really significant, and we should be helping those forces inside Iraq, inside Iraq, inside Lebanon, elsewhere, to um, to make these protests uh, more meaningful. They they can't be Western protests, or or the Iranians will just dismiss it and and are clamping down already in in inhumane ways against the people in, involved in the um, in these in these demonstrations. But for Israel. The concern is uh, several fold. One, of course, that they can activate this network of third parties, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Iranian militias in Syria, the Gaza, Hamas, and even more so Palestinian Islamic uh, Jihad, but also the danger that from Yemen they can shoot, they can fire rockets or send drones that will hit maybe Israeli shipping, maybe other targets. It's not so much... Um, Israel from there, but Israel from the Golan, from the Golan, where they're saying the Al Quds has a presence today. The Al Quds forces that the uh, that of the Iran Revolutionary Guard that they can fire a Hezbollah with 150,000 missiles, tens of thousands in the south in in Gaza. So for Israel, it is a, a unique set of circumstances that they have to be uh, concerned about. It's I, I tell you, I mean, I, Israel's going to have to act. They're going to have to act unilaterally, unilaterally. I mean, there's no. I don't think there's going to be any option the way things are going. Uh, and to what point are you going to allow Iran to, you know, to beef up their uh, capabilities? And then remember, you know, with, with the with the border wars that Israel has to worry about, you know, in two to three different places, if if you have Iran backing you, not just financially, but you know, with weaponry and God forbid, you know, a nuclear capability, it's a complete game changer in that region. There, there are so many potential. Um breaches that uh, what you're saying is exactly right but it, but there are many more i, I can't right. go right. through the all them, but the... take jordan right. i mean jordan is is you know it was always hanging by a thread there were demonstrations there as well thank god now i think it's more quiet but remember that's a buffer from iran right. going through iraq and, and getting right to the to the heart of the west bank to get to the jordan valley yep. the uh, you know on so many fronts there can be problems at Assad decides to give them full reign, and, and they're not inhibiting them right now in, in the north and, and from Lebanon. And the restraint is that they know the people in Lebanon don't want a war and, and are demonstrating against the Nasrallah and uh, the economic situation in both Iraq and, and um, Lebanon, the corruption. 
Uh, and now we're seeing that spread to also to the PA. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and NachumSegal.com, and the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Remember, you could sponsor part or all of AJMN broadcast. Go to fjbunity.org. You could do it in memory of somebody for someone's yard site, honor of somebody for someone's birthday, whatever the case may be. Go to fjbunity.org and click on Sponsorship Opportunities um, uh, on the top right. And I thank everybody who supports us as we get close to the end of our 2019 campaign. Malcolm, your thoughts about this uh, Colorado arrest of somebody who was plotting a synagogue bombing. Your thoughts uh, hearing this story on the eve of the Kristallnacht commemoration. It's one of many, and it's a, a very serious issue because the um, this was another one of the plots that was uh, hatched, and uh, thank God they arrested this one. But it's... Um, you know, the, the, uh, the alerts that we keep telling people about it, to look at, the, at these, this is only one of many. These are coming from the alt-right, not the left, uh, or the other sources of, uh, of where anti-Semitism and the threats have emerged. I think this is the 13th arrest since uh, Pittsburgh of uh, right-wing, uh, alt, uh, right-wing or extremist um, uh, plots. And that means that we don't know how many more there are, how many more are being observed, and how many this one they got word of and, and acted against. Yep. And as I said, this time of year we think of the Kristallnacht and the commemorations, and for people who think that we're far away from these types of episodes, and God forbid those types of episodes, they should think twice. They should think twice, and they should... I hope there will be commemorations, and especially the Shamas and Shul's people talk about it. You know, that it's a reminder at a time when we see resurgent anti-Semitism and Jew hatred. That the, the I attended an event last night at the Museum of Jewish Heritage where the Secretary General of the UN really spoke beautifully in an event George Klein organized, uh, where they blew the chauffeur, the one chauffeur known to have survived Auschwitz. And the reminder of of what took place there, how many people were killed on that night. Uh, 30,000, I think, were arrested and put in concentration camps. 400 were killed. But as you know, through our research, um, uh, 1,700 synagogues were destroyed just in Germany, not counting Austria or Sudetenland. And people said, well, they didn't know. We didn't uh, see it. We didn't uh, know what was going on. It's a lie. They already started killing Jews in the mid-30s. The concentration camps like Dachau and others existed already since the mid-30s. And, you know, it's human nature, I think, to protect and say, well, it won't get worse, it won't get worse. It does get worse when you don't address the cancer and, and uh, go after it immediately. And all the resources of government have to be mobilized. Uh, and I think there are now 30 state, countrywide um, if, uh, you know, a special envoys on anti-Semitism. I mean, it's taken more seriously because it's really um, uh, recognized that this is growing and, and it's manifest everywhere around the world today. Not to minimize the, the event you spoke of, seriously not to minimize it. I'm certainly not doing anything but praising the Secretary General for participating, but uh, sometimes you have... You, you, you wish that when it comes to today, when it comes to today standing up for Israel, when it comes to today standing up for you know against anti-Semitism, etc., that the voice would be just as strong as the voice that's memorializing those who passed and, and were murdered years ago. 
Yeah, I'm tired of all the crocodile tears and the memorials for dead Jews. I want them to stand up for living Jews and a living Jewish state and assure the security and, and safety of both that state and of Jews and everywhere. Speaking of the U.N., what could you tell us about what happened at UNRWA this week? Well, the head of UNRWA stepped down. Uh, there are all sorts of charges of corruption and malpractices and mistakes, but we have long argued, and Israel has long made the case, that the, the UNRWA is a corrupt place, that the uh, countless uh, millions that get poured into it uh, are misappropriated and uh, often go to support terrorists and other uh, activities. And these uh, credible allegations, as they were described, uh, including about the uh, the head of the agency, uh, Cameron Bull, who is a Swiss native, uh, I hope that this might lead to a real change in the agency and a real revamping of it. But uh, I think that that is a dream too far, especially when it comes to U.N. circumstances. But right now, because the United States suspended and cut later cut off all the funding, that put them under uh, additional pressure. And um, so the, the services, it said, um, would not be available otherwise, and people don't want to see the agency collapse because then the burden would also fall on Israel um, to take care of uh, the, the, the perpetual population that never diminishes. Is UNRWA money specifically for the for for the o- pe- only Palestinians? That's it. Everybody else is handled by the High Commissioner for other refugees for, and this is not a refugee population because they're already in the third or fourth generation. Um, is handled by the uh, High Commissioner of Refugees. UNRWA only serves the Palestinians. So when, and this is where I'm, I'm confused, when, when uh, the Prime Minister of Israel is uh, having a debate with Washington about whether funds should be transferred to the PA, that's unrelated to UN money, correct? Yes, about the transfer of funds from the United States. Right. That's unrelated to the U.N. money. Yeah, we have cut off the funding basically over pay to slay. We cut back the funding and then have large, and, and the PA, Abbas, said he didn't want any of the money, so the United States cut off all the, I mean, is not transferring money uh, to them. And uh, the people pay the price. I mean, it's, it's this commitment, as has been true since the cre- creation of the PA, uh, that they siphon off a, a significant part of their budget to pay terrorists, whether in jails or their families, if they're if they're killed, making martyrs out of all of them, and the um, uh, you know the, so the the people suffer because the services are denied, and they wanted to build a, a new hospital in Gaza, and it was the the Palestinian Authority that blocked it because they don't want Hamas to get the victory. Finally, is there any uh, resolution to the shakeup in the Lebanese government? And has Hezbollah is, is has a week later is Hezbollah more or less powerful than they were? They are more vulnerable now. There is more. The demonstrations are continuing despite the crackdown. I think Hezbollah is recognizing it and and being more careful. That that is one of the reasons why you don't see a hotter border with the with Lebanon. I think, um, but the demonstrations against the corruption are continuing, and uh, I know the Iranians are worried. I saw that Soleimani went to Baghdad and try to uh, make deals and to to uh, support the prime minister, and, get, and he, who was ready to resign, but they didn't let him. The um, prime minister in uh, Lebanon did resign. Uh, schools were closed. Banks were closed. I mean, this is affecting uh, the economy and the whole society there in a very serious way. 
and the, uh, they, they attacked the houses of some of the deputies, members of the parliament who were tied to Hezbollah and the Shiite Amal, and they accused them of stealing the money, etc., the same uh, corruption charges. But, you know, this is, uh, quote, Arab Spring, again, re- being reflected in the region. It can spread. It's a concern that everybody has when these things take hold and, and become more popular. Or it can be really a game-changer, and the West should be supporting the elements in the country that want to get rid of these dictators and the Iranian influence and to uh, and to get Europe and the United States to stand together against Iran and to show them that they're, they're either they start complying or they're, they're done. They're not going to comply. But... So there has to be a united front. None of the none of the news sources are paying attention to this. None. I, it, I mean, and I'm talking about the you know the ones that call themselves credible news sources uh, or news distributors. I mean, we cannot get a story about these protest protests in Iran, which you just described to us in this conversation. How vital they are, and how much they need to be supported. And if there was some awareness here in the U.S., maybe there'd be pressure to support them even more. But we don't. We don't hear a thing about it. That, that is true, and if people read dailyalert.org, and I'm sure some of the other uh, sites, and, uh, and that you you do get, you can get the news. Dailyalert.org is free um, that we publish every morning, but it has summary of news sources which do give some coverage to it. I know, but you're quite and, right. If and you it's look a great at the mainstream source, American but, press. And Malcolm, I hate to make you the target of my frustration, but last night I watched the half-hour newscast that ABC News does. You know the famous right. evening news. If you saw the topics that they are covering and and the time that they are wasting on, on stuff, I mean, you know, I, I, I do think it's cute when, you know, a father attends his, his daughter's cheerleader game. But, you know, maybe it's more important to discuss what's going on in the Middle East and the possibility of the world ending because of Iran's capability. You know what I mean? Like, it just it, no one's paying attention to this stuff. It's all uh, I agree, and you don't see the coverage of, for instance, what's happening in the Labor Party when the, the deputy uh, leader right. resigns over the anti-Semitism. Right, and that's a big that you story. you don't see the, 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 uh, a $9 billion deal signed by Cyprus and Israel, which can be a game-changer on gas extraction, but you, you don't read about Turkey you know, provocations against Cyprus on, on the energy front. The, the, um, that Israel, the Argaman, the head of the Shin Bet, said that they stopped 450 credible terror attacks were averted this year because of the technology, because of the cleverness, the, the good work of the security agencies. Right. That You're right. It is very frustrating. And, and, and this issue of what's happening at Fordo and what's happening at um, Iraq, which gives the lie to the fact that the Iranians were ever in compliance, which shows that some of these things go back to 2003, that they have this infrastructure there, that this could threaten all of us. And, and you saw their ability against Saudi Arabia. That should have gotten everybody up on their hind legs, screaming, yelling, demonstrating. Yep. And the media largely ignores it. Yep. Very frustrating. I mean, for you, it must really be frustrating. You've been yelling about this for decades. So. Right. <laughs> so for, you, you should be more frustrated than anybody else. Um, well, we got to end with some good news. You ready for this? I went to the. I, I actually had the honor of emceeing the JCT dinner, and John Medford was the uh, was the keynote speaker. And you know, he could be very entertaining in addition to being very informative. And he gives us the one of the statistics he quotes is that Israel uh, that in Australia. 
uh, they had invest a country of 25 million people had invested like 900 million dollars in. Uh, I'm not giving the exact statistics, but you, you get the point. And but Israelis, you know, where you have a country of eight nine million people, they invested 2.5 billion dollars or whatever it was. It was invested in the country, and then of course he talks about China and its relationship with Israel. And in China, you have X number of startups, and in Israel, where again the population compared to China, you know, you have even more than you have in China. So there is a an unbelievable revelation that we have to continue to uh, speak about, which is that 71 years later, this unbelievable dream of the state of Israel and what it has become is so off the charts at this point. I was speaking the other day to somebody just reminiscing post the creation of the state, of what it was like in the 70s and 80s when the economy was so bad, when we here in the United States had to worry so much about our friends and relatives in Israel for a variety of reasons, economy of course, economics, of course, being primary, I mean, number one primary is security, and then, of course, economics. And today it is so different. So I have to acknowledge that because I was so informed and entertained by his presentation. And if you look at the numbers that per capita Israel, I think, has the highest investment in R&D, that the number of startups is not diminishing. It continues to grow. The foreign investment is hitting record levels in, in Israel. The economy is soaring, even without a government. Supposedly, right. Although right. Th- those ministries are there. But it is absolutely uh, true that there are remarkable stories and the the fact that uh, I think the UAE announced that they will welcome Israeli visitors and certainly people with Israeli stamps in their passports. Wow! That the, there are so many changes that that don't even make a footnote, yeah. but are really reflective of of things that are happening, and of the day to day positive stuff that's going on between Israel and many of the countries in the region. But good news when it comes to Israel doesn't sell. They're not interested in it. And no matter how much we may try to, to get them to, to uh, acknowledge it, at least. Uh, but I think that and, 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 uh, they don't listen. Secretary Pompeo yesterday gave a very strong speech about Iran, a very strong warnings. And again, it, doesn't, it makes a minor enough, uh, recognition of, of these realities. And the, the story that, that I try to paint and to, to get people to understand what the significance of these demonstrations and how this is another earthquake going on in, in, in the Middle East and the possible ramifications uh, of this for the United States, for America's interests, let alone for, for Israel and our other allies in the region, it is. It, that's why people have to make the effort to know the facts, to listen to your show, to listen to to others, to to read, and to know what is happening because these are are really consequential developments and historic developments and hard to believe developments, and we're living through it, and it's just remarkable sometimes. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays with a weekly update here. At JM and the AM. Big news, by the way, those of you, especially uh, as we get ready for some Kalbach davening tonight. His yard site is coming Thursday, and there'll be many Kalbach services uh, around the world. We have a new recording, which we're going to play right after Rabbi Yudin finishes this morning. We have a new recording from a Srilly Williger of a, uh, a piece that he has reproduced, uh, very similar to what he did years ago when he... Um, when he uh, performed at the Hess concert, Hashem O's, the exact same way that Rav Shlomo Kalbach had recorded it, he has uh, recorded the blind chazan 
in the exact same way that Shlomo Kalbach recorded it. We'll do it for you coming up right after Rabbi Yudin. It's Srili Williger with a brand new selection as a tribute to Rib Shleiman. Tomorrow night's the big concert, don't forget. West Side Institutional Synagogue, Srili Williger, Yehuda Green, Eitan Katz. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night we'll be with Azer Mitzion with the Brett Stevens Fireside Chat. We'll be there in Teaneck, New Jersey tomorrow night at Congregation Keter Torah. Join us for an Evening of Heroes, eveningofheroes.com, eveningofheroes.com. Candlelighting 424 on this era of Shabbos here in New York. We go to Pittsburgh uh, Wednesday morning between 6 and 9, broadcasting from the JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pittsburgh, one year later. This time each and every Friday morning, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, Rabbi Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. According to the Chinuch, there is one mitzvah found in this week's parsha, and that is the mitzvah of bris milah, circumcision, which Avram Avinu performs at the age of 99. With parshas Lech Lecha, we begin Jewish history, and we have, according to the Rambam, we have the first six of the tests that Avram Avinu was tested. According to Rashi, we have the first eight. The Mishnah in the fifth chapter of Avos tells us that Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, was tested with ten tests and he passed them all. And Reb Chaim says very powerfully on that Mishnah that Avram Avinu is called Avram our father because just as each and every one of us has within ourselves part of our father and our mother's DNA so too we have some of Avram Avinu's DNA and our ability to overcome challenges and tests that come our way as our people have undergone and withstood over the last several thousands of years partly is due to the fact that part of Avram Avinu is within us. I'd like to share with you a challenging Gemara, which is found at the very beginning of this week's parsha. In verse 1 of Parsha's Lech Lecha, Hashem says to Avraham, Go, Lech Lecha, go me'artzacha from your land, mimoladetacha, from your birthplace, mibesavicha, from your father's home, to the land that I will show you. Now, listen carefully to the next verse. The next verse has four different parts, phrases. One, And I will make you into a great nation. Secondly, 
I will bless you. Thirdly, I will I will make your name great. And finally, and you shall be a blessing. Now, you have to ask yourself, what didn't you understand? So Rashi comes along, and Rashi shares with you the Gemara in Psachim, Kufyadzayan of Abayz 117b, the teaching of Rishlakish. And Rishlakish says that aside from the literal translation of the verse, as we translated a moment ago, that which we say every day in our Shmona Esrei, and every single day at least three times a day, over Shabbos 4, because we have a Musaf, please God, tomorrow. So, says Reish Lakish, when the Torah says, I will make you into a great nation. Zesha Omrim, this is the source of that which we say in the first blessing of every Shmona Esrei, Eloke Avraham, that God is the God of Abraham. The second phrase, Vavorechacha, I will bless you. Zesha Omrim, this is what encouraged the Anshei Knesset HaGedola, when establishing the blessing, to say, Elokei Yitzchak, the God of Yitzchak. When it says, Agadlo Shemecha, I will make your name great, Zesha Omrim, Elokei Yaakov. So the first three phrases respond or correspond to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Continues Reish Lakish in the Gemara, Yochol, I might think, I might think that the conclusion of the bracha, the chasima, would be, Baruch Hashem, Morgain, the one God who protects Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, just as the three of them are hinted at in this verse, continues the Gemara, Talmud Lomar, the last phrase, bracha, and you shall be a bracha. What does that mean? You shall be the bracha. Bechachosmin, we conclude with you. Baruch Hashem, Mogain Avraham, Velobahem, and not with them. Now, clearly, this is cryptic. I strongly recommend that you look in the Sipse Chachamim, who tries to explain and to see where within the text itself this might be alluded to. But given the significance of this piece of Talmud, I'd like to share with you one or two very interesting insights into this Gemara, into this Bracha, which are exceedingly powerful and practical. At first glance, the Gemara is most difficult to understand because, after all, what is happening is we are basically saying, oh my goodness, can't Avraham share the wealth? Can't Avraham allow the blessing to be concluded? Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? It doesn't sound right that Avraham should keep the wealth to himself, 
especially since we find in the Talmud, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Kufhei Amid Beis 105b, teaches that Bakol Adam the nature of man, might be to be jealous of everyone, chutz except except for your son, except for your student. And here, Avraham would certainly, quote, share the wealth with Yitzhak and Yaakov. So how are we to understand this Gemara? So the Kotzka Rebbe suggested the following understanding of this Gemara. He says, when the Gemara and the Pasuk and the uh, Bracha Elokei Avraham, the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, the God of Yaakov, it doesn't only mean that Hashem had a personal relationship with each, and each and every one of us should remember, put your name in, that Hashem has a personal relationship with you, but it refers to the three traits that each of them excelled in. Avraham excelled in Chesed, or Gemilus Chasodim, kindness, the practicing of good deeds. Yitzchak represents Avoda, service of God, prayer. And Yaakov represents Torah. And therefore, that Mishnah at the beginning of Pirkei Avos, which teaches us that upon three pillars, the Jewish world stands ala Torah, on these three pillars, they are hinted at in this verse here, with Avraham, Chesed, Yitzchak, Avoda, and Yaakov, Torah. And it continues... Yochol, I might think that the concluding bracha would be Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, meaning all three, that all three traits are equal. No, the bracha, you Avram, your trait of chesed is above the others. Now some learn that this refers that in the end of days, the quality of chesed of kindness is going to be most significant. But I'd like to go a little bit differently. I heard beautifully from one of my teachers the following explanation. What do you mean that chesed is more important? After all, the Mishnah says that the Jewish world stands on three legs. What's the concept of chesed being more important? And his explanation was beautifully the following, that each of the three, namely Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim, each of these three, each requires Chesed. Torah requires Chesed. What does that mean? It means that the Gemara tells us towards the end of Sota, excuse me, Sukkah 49, that that which we say, sing tonight, as part of Eishas Chayil, we say, V'soras chesed 
Alishona. The Torah of kindness is on her tongue. Asks the Talmud, is there a Torah of kindness and a Torah not of kindness? And the Gemara answers, yes. A Torah that is shared is a Torah of kindness. A Torah that one who has it but keeps it to himself, that is not a Torah of kindness. So the first thing we are being taught is that Torah requires chesed. Share the Torah that you have. As we find as well a little bit later in Pirkei Avos, whereby we're told, if one was privileged and has studied a great deal of Torah, literally it means don't think you're so smart, don't think you're so great. Why? Because after all, this is what you were created for, you were put in this world for. But the other explanation is no. If you learned a lot of Torah, don't keep the tova, don't keep the goodness, don't keep the Torah to yourself, share it with others. So Torah needs chesed. Avoda needs chesed. What does that mean? That prayer needs chesed? Think about it. When we pray, we pray for ourselves, or no, look throughout our Shemona Esrei, and our prayer is in the plural, Rifa'enu, we pray not just for ourselves who might need a refuah shleima, a healing, we pray for others, we pray for all those in Israel, our prayers are chesed, oriented for the next one. And wait a minute, I hear that somebody needs a shidduch, I hear that somebody needs a job. I wish I knew somebody right now for that person. I'll think about it. I wish I had a job for them. But you know what I can do for them? What kind of ishtadlus can I do for the next person? I could pray. My prayer is a form of chesed. Within my prayer itself is the element of chesed that I want to do chasadim for the next one. And finally, gemilus chasadim, the doing of kind deeds requires chesed. Now what does that mean? So the obvious situation is that there's a family down the block and the breadwinner is out of work. I take an envelope I put a thousand dollars into the envelope, which is very nice, and I knock on the door and I say, here, I'm sorry to hear that you're out of work, I hope this helps you, etc. Now that's a chesed, but it's not chasodim tovim. The best form of chesed would be slip it under the door and run away, that when they find the envelope, and they can use the envelope, and they're most appreciative, but they haven't lost their dignity. They haven't felt, forgive me, a little bit unfortunate and embarrassed and ashamed because they have no job, etc. The idea that chesed requires chesed. Let's take another example. You mean well, and you're going to be Menachem Avel. You're going to console the mourner. But sometimes, I know this from personal experience, some people stay too long. And by staying too long, what started out as a mitzvah becomes an additional burden for the mourners. They need a break. They want to walk around. They're just 
confined to orphan and they need to be able to get up. You mean well. A person has to think, how are my chasodim doing? My chasodim should be in such a way that they are chasodim tovim. When someone comes to your home and they knock on the door and they ask for either themselves or for an institution, offer them a drink. Don't just give begrudgingly, just the opposite. Thank you for the opportunity of my helping. Let them feel that they did you a favor, just like Rus says to Naomi when she says, Wow, where did you get all this today? She says, Shemo Ish Asher Osisi Imo Ayom. The name of the man who did for me today is Boaz. What does that mean? She did for Boaz, she made Boaz into a giver. When we give charity, we are being enhanced our character. We have to thank the person. So therefore, this Gemara, which sounds a bit cryptic at the beginning, with the insight of the Kutzka Rebbe, we're saying every day, the God of Avraham, Chesed, the God of Yitzchak, Avoda, the God of Yaakov, Torah, and Bechach Hosmin, with your Mida Avraham, we should each of us work to make sure that our Torah, Avodah, and Gemilus Chasadim is permeated with Chesed. Shabbat Shalom to all. You know, my beautiful friends, we so misjudge others. We don't know, we don't know what's going on in the heart of another human being. Unless you'll love them the most, you'll never know. You know, in the 60s, in the summer, on the way to Israel, I would always stop in Europe. Without mentioning names of the city, there was one Hasidish Abbas Medrash. Give me a little taste how Europe was before the Second World War. Especially on Shabbos morning, davening was so good. I'm walking in Shabbos morning to the synagogue and the chazan has no voice at all. Not only doesn't have a good voice, his songs make no sense. And he can't even read. He's skipping words. I was so disgusted. It was clear to me, most probably a rich man, that he wants to be the cantor wants to be the chazan, gives you a few rubles to the synagogue, and they let him pray. And I say, oh, how disgusting. I decided I'm not going to daven with them. I go into a corner and daven by myself. But you know, when they take out the Torah, you want to kiss the Torah. I walk up to the bima. And open your hearts, friends. I saw the chazan holding the Torah. And two people are holding the chazan. I ask somebody, why are they holding him? They said to me, don't you know? He's the blind chazan. He was one of the greatest tenors in Europe before the war. He was a chazan in Lemberg. 
He was in Auschwitz. He lost his voice. He lost his eyes. I looked at him. I saw scars all over his face. They whipped him off his face. I was so ashamed of myself. He kept on telling me he didn't want to daven anymore. He says, I don't know the words. People said, no, we remember your davening from Lemberg. Please honor us one more time. I mean, friends, can you imagine how he was praying? I never davened like this on Yom Kippur. I was so ashamed of myself. So when he passed by with the Torah, instead of kissing the Torah, I kissed his hands. And you know, my sweetest friends, when sometimes you're at the end, God has compassion upon you. I absolutely didn't have a place in myself anymore, but I kissed his hand. He turned to the people who was with him and he says, who kissed my hand? They said, Shlomo Kalbach. He stopped and he says, Shlomo, I like your melodies. He gave me back my soul. I stayed an extra week and I took long walks with him. But you know what happened after that? Four weeks later I was told the blind chazin has a new position. He's the chazin in Gan Eden. J.M. in the A.M. The Blind Chazen. Oh, oh there we go. Okay. thought I might have cut off the end of it. Uh, the Blind Chazen, a uh, Shlomo Kalbach piece as reproduced and covered by uh, Srili Williger uh, in tribute to Shlomo, whose yard site is coming Thursday. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Candle lighting at 424. 424 candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. And I uh, thank all of you for uh, tuning in. Uh, reminder, tomorrow night we're in Teaneck, New Jersey. It's the um, Azer Mitzion Amazing Event, which is coming up. Uh, Azer Mitzion Event is going to be uh, 
a tremendous evening of heroes. In fact, it's called eveningofheroes.com. That's the website, eveningofheroes.com. You'll have a chance to uh, come on out, enjoy the fireside chat with Brett Stevens, and have a wonderful time. Uh, 7.30 tomorrow night, Congregation Ketter Torah in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, Monday's Veterans Day, we will be here. We leave Tuesday during the day for Pittsburgh. Wednesday, we broadcast from Pittsburgh. A, um, a trip to Pittsburgh one year later, one that I think you will find inspiring and very interesting. We have a tremendous guest list that is being formed for our show Wednesday morning from the JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And as I said before, a big thank you to Simon Jacob and the Jewish Unity Initiative. A big thank you to Nina Butler. A big thank you to Rabbi Wasserman. A big thank you to everybody who's helping us with the uh, Pittsburgh show. The 2019 International Bible Competition for Adults has its U.S. Finals this coming Sunday, November the 10th, at the Westside Institutional Synagogue. Uh, come marvel at the contestants' knowledge and enjoy a lively celebration of Tanakh in Israel. Um, it starts at 2 p.m. and the special guest entertainer, Ellie Marcus. The whole thing is free. The concert, the contest, everything. It's all free. Information, you must make a reservation. That's the only thing. you got to make a reservation. azm.org slash Bible dash contest. azm.org slash Bible dash contest. All right, so keep that in mind. Make sure that you um, make a reservation if you want to attend. 12 minutes before 9 o'clock, JM and the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. And a reminder, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is coming up next. Melinda Strauss, Jewish Food Media Conference, is coming up as one of Naomi's guests. Esti Berkowitz of Kosher Feast is coming up. Menachem Lubinsky of Kosher Fest is coming up, all happening at 9 o'clock until 10 o'clock this morning. The Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by Kedem, is coming up uh, between 10 and 11. Excuse me, between 10 and 1. 1 o'clock, the Harry Rothenberg Parsha blog. And, of course, uh, great music all day long, courtesy of our friends at Kedem with the Arab Shabbos music mix. Diaspora on this Arab Shabbos Lechacha next at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with Diaspora and Lechlecha on this Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Lechlecha. How do you like that? There they are, Diaspora, J.M. and the A.M. Uh, wrapping things up for a Friday morning Erev Shabbos, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Naomi Nachman is coming up with Table for Two. A lot of great guests this morning, so make sure to be tuned into the Nachum Single Network all through the day. You can always um, uh, comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and the comment away. And we thank those of you who uh, who um, who comment and uh, let us know where you are, what you want to hear, etc., etc., Time to say good Shabbos uh, with our friends from Journeys here at JM in the AM. And uh, I want to say, give a big shout out to listener Judy, who acknowledges how great it is to have our, oh, where is this? Sorry about that. Uh, who's acknowledging uh, how great it is to have a, um, repeat of JM and the AM at 12 a.m. Eastern time every morning gives people who can't hear it during the regular hours an opportunity to hear it at their leisure. And I'm glad we can present that every late night here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Time to take a shop with journeys at JM and the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemySingle.com and the AlchemySingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Remember, Shabbos is starting a lot earlier than we're used to, everybody. 424 here in New York. I know in Jerusalem and in Israel, Shabbos is uh, practically about to start. (laughs) How do you like that? I'll give a special Shabbat Shalom and thank you to Avrami and everybody in Yigal and everybody in Israel at this time. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll see you in Teaneck, New Jersey. That'll be the... Uh, Azer Mitzion event. See you at Congregation Keter Torah in Teaneck tomorrow night. And uh, again, everybody remember, it's a very early Shabbos, quote-unquote. Naomi Nachman's next, Melinda Strauss, Esti Berkowitz of Kosher Feast, Menachem Lubinsky, all her guests coming up between 9 and 10, then the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It is all coming up. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.